Welcome to Game Fellas, the Retro to Modern Gaming Podcast, episode Trace. Trace, right? With me tonight, yeah, three. With me tonight, I have Mark. What up? We got Mark, who is returning. We have Tony Brazel. Hello. From Collinsville, Illinois. Come steal his stuff. <laughs> Sorry, it's a re- reference to the first podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Come steal my stuff. Come steal his stuff. And filling in for our producer, Nate Rowe, who is, uh had to take a leave of absence, we have Derek Moore. Hey, guys. Yes, and tonight we are going to be talking to you, uh, well, first of all, what we've been playing, but later on we're going to get to the mini console craze, and also we're going to talk about PC store exclusivity, so that should be a nice hot-button topic, but why don't we start with what we've been playing, so uh, why don't you lead us off, Mark, what you've been playing lately, man? Well, I'm still in that shmup tournament, and I'm kind of getting a little burned out because there's a lot of games... (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, about halfway through it and it's going pretty well. I just, the last few games, I don't really enjoy that much. So I'm kind of forcing myself to play them, but yeah, I've been playing a ton of shmups. Other than that, I've been playing, I tried to make an effort to make some, to play some modern game for you, (laughs) modern games for you guys. So I played some Dead or Alive 6. I've been playing quite a bit of that. How are the, uh, how are the jiggle physics in that? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they are. Actually... Okay, so I'll give you the lowdown on Dead Alive 6. So, as far as, like, raw sexuality, it's less, it's, like, toned down compared okay. to Dead Alive 5. Well, that's good. Dead Alive 5 was definitely the, the height of that. Okay. But as far as the mechanics of the gameplay, it's it's a little more polished. 5 was pretty good. Uh, I think 6 is a little better as far as that, so I like it quite a bit, actually. What a... What was that? Um, to change the subject a little bit, what was the um the game you just released a video for it? What game was that? What shmup was that? That was Rolling Gunner. Rolling it's, Gunner. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, a little just bit. come out on the Switch. Sure. So Rolling Gunner is a really good indie shmup made in Japan that came out I think about a year ago, but it was only released on a physical DVD that you had to order from Japan. So. Wow. Eight people owned it. (laughs) Okay, more than that, but very few people owned it and played it. It was pretty unknown. Um, It's really well done. Um, I guess to really bore the non-shmup players, it's kind of a successor to the cave-style bullet hell, but with this cool mechanic of... um, If you guys have played Metal Slug, you know when you play Metal Slug and you get in the tank and the tank can spin around and shoot in all directions? Yep. So Rolling Gunner has that, but it's attached to your gun of your spaceship, so... Okay. And for people that don't know the difference between a shmup and a bullet hell, uh, what's the main difference? Well, bullet hell is a s- subgenre of the shmup uh, genre. So shmups are games where you fly spaceships or little girls or creatures or whatever, and you shoot bullets and dodge them. And then bullet hell is a subgenre of that where the bullets are slower, but there's a lot more of them. And they generally tend to be a little more difficult than kind of the classic shmups. And they're more about always, dodging, but... right? They're more about, like, dodging as opposed to, uh, I don't know. It seemed like with bullet, bullet hells, what I've seen is it's all about acrobatics, like dodging, getting around the bullets, right? As opposed to what you're shooting. Um, a little bit of both, actually. It just depends on how far on the spectrum the bullet hell goes. Like, the Toho games, a lot of people know those. Yeah, you're just dodging stuff, basically. It's not a, as much about precise shooting. But in the cave-style shmups... 
there's lots of times where you have to precisely shoot to hit certain cancels and stuff, so it's still in there. Okay. Okay, that's cool. What else, man? You said you've been playing some other modern stuff. Well, I guess that, that counts as a modern game, but what else have you been playing? Yeah. So I've played a little bit of the new, well, not new, but the 2016 Hitman. Have you guys played that? No, no I haven't. It's on my oh, new list. It's really good. So if you guys liked uh, Blood Money, that was the Hitman that most people liked before the ones that came out on the 316 stuff, which were, uh, which was kind of crappy, Absolution. So the 2016 Hitman is kind of a return to the, I think, the way the, the series works the best, where it's more open-ended and kind of more of a sandboxy type stealth game. It's really fun. Okay. It's cool. Uh... All right. What else? Uh, how's your Smash? Uh, your Smash going? You still, uh, you still playing in Smash tournaments? I'm assuming. Have you warmed up to um, to Smash Ultimate anymore? Or are you still kind of lukewarm to it? Still as lukewarm as you get. But <laughs> I actually haven't been going to tournaments because they dropped Melee from my local tournament, so oh, yeah, I can't right. even play Melee. Oh, so man. I've been just grinding out online matches and stuff. Okay. I also have been. I picked up a new fighting game that's kind of hot now. It's uh, Undernight in Birth. Have you guys heard of that? No. So I have not. for the first time, it got announced to be kind of a feature game at Evo this year. So it's an, a lesser-known anime fighter, kind of like Guilty Gear. I guess a lot of people might recognize that. So I've been playing that. That's a lot of fun too. Okay. Cool. All right. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing. Derek, why don't you uh, go next? What have you been playing, man? Um, mostly I've been playing a lot of the sci-fi strategy game Solaris, Delaris. I'm not sure how they're going to pronounce that. And I've got it set, like, this is going to sound wussy, but set on easy with almost no enemies. Just because I just want the ability to just randomly explore different star systems and build up the Empire. Which is kind of fun. I mean, yeah, it's fun to every now and then take down an enemy or something, but it's more fun to me to explore the different kinds of star systems they have and just how big of a galaxy you can make. And then um, last night I started a new save on Final Fantasy VII because I haven't played it in years. And oh, you're I was preparing, to about this earlier. preparing yourself for the remake? Not really, so I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> okay. um, FF7 is not a bad game. It's good, but man, it just I don't know if it just doesn't hold up, but it's still so stupidly overrated. And it's still, like, a lot of fun to play. That's the weird thing. It's not a bad game. It's just that's how much they've overrated it. Yeah. Which is Well, we scary. talked about it on the last podcast, me, Soren, and Justin, about how it was kind of a genre-changing game for its time, anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, it really established the JRPG in North America. Yeah. Without question. And like I said, I can't say that it's a bad game. It's still pretty fun, but... Dear God, there's no reason for people to, you know, worship it three times a day or something. Do you think? Like do you think that's? Um, do you think it's because of rose-colored glasses? Because people just look at it, uh, you know, they have nostalgic memories of playing it. Or do you think that it's really, or it's just really is a good game, and and it's just not just not really your style? What what do you? What, fair assessment. I think um, honestly, your nostalgia plays a good role in it, but at the same time, I mean. Uh, most a lot of games from the PS1 era just don't hold up nowadays. And at its core, it really is just a standard RPG. I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff on it, but I mean, it's a straightforward JRPG. Yeah. But, and I admit, like, I've lost a lot of taste for JRPGs lately, but 
it's still, I'm not saying by any stretch that you could say it's bad or even boring. It's just, it's not what it's cracked up to be. And I think maybe the remake will fix that for people. But there's yeah. a theory someone said in there like years ago that your first Final Fantasy game you play tends to be your favorite of all time. Hmm. There's a reason why this one is so high, highly loved. Because for most yeah. people, it's the RPG they started on. Yeah, I think I think you're right, man. Because Final Fantasy four or two, whatever, is my favorite, and that's the first one I played. So you're probably right, man. Um, and I, and I, but I will acknowledge that it's not the best Final Fantasy game by a long shot. No, that's but, six. But it's my per yeah, probably is. But that's it's my personal favorite. So yeah, that makes sense, man. And that, that's the rose colored glasses talk. We're gonna talk more about that later, anyway. That whole topic. Um, what? Tell me a little bit about uh, Stellaris. Um, it looks pretty cool. I'm looking at it now. Um, what uh, what's the gameplay like? What kind of game is it? It's it's a four X game, okay. but like you get so much opportunity to grow your empire. And one thing I don't like is there used to be, <clears throat> excuse me, like three different ways to do FTL in the game, and they dumbed it down to just one, which I think kind of took a lot out of it. But I mean, you can even make your own species, give them different traits to affect how they can grow and what technologies they're allowed, and you can move forward from you know, just exploring the galaxy and trying to be peaceful, or you can become, you know, the fucking Empire. Yeah. It's reminding me, I'm looking at it, it reminds me of kind of like Master of, Master of Orion. Uh, yeah, it's got a, a lot bit. of, lot of influence in that. Um, Definitely some DNA of, of that in there, for sure. Yeah, honestly, it's made by Paradox, which I think does the Europe Oh, Europa yeah. Universalis, which yep. somebody's brother here might know a little bit about. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> My brother. Yeah, um, that yeah, good. I didn't even realize that Solaris was made by uh, Paradox. Yeah, it's, okay, it's, and it's got that DNA in it. Okay, very cool. Yeah, like see the video I'm showing us in the, um, our producer chat is from the earlier model where you could pick wormhole, hyperspace, or warp drive, and it's a right. little different now. But you still get the gist. Yeah, it's just I'll say two hours and not realize I've done a thing. Okay, cool, awesome, man. All right, all right, Tony, what have you been playing, man? A lot of. A lot of everything, really, uh, last couple of weeks. Um, like since I, I a couple of weeks ago, I, I took that trip down to see you, and we played a bunch of different games there. And we did. Ob- obviously, I think I think you wanted to kind of go over some of that stuff already yourself, and yeah. that's fine <laughs> because I because I for whatever reason that that trip kind of reignited the retro spark for me, and I've been playing some retro stuff lately again, finally. Um, Started going through my SNES library. I played a couple of couple of da- couple of games. Nothing that really stood out. I didn't I didn't play them in alphabetical order from A to Z like I did with my uh, my NES. I just picked out a couple, and then I I kind of settled on Secret of Mana. So I'm playing Secret of Mana right now, and um, it's good. And I'm gonna, you know, kind of sound like what Derek was talking about. I, I think, I think it might be a product of people's nostalgia. Like I, I was looking online earlier, and people are calling it masterpiece and everything. It's like, no, the scheme is fun, but it is janky. It's a janky game. There are so many weird issues with it. So many annoying issues with it. The whole ring uh, menu system is cumbersome. Like especially whenever you start using magic, it's, uh, it's not set up very well. Uh, again, it's fun, but it's not like there's no way you can't you can't label this game as a masterpiece. The translation's awful. Um, <laughs> it's you know, it's just... interesting you say that because I played it. I played Secret of Mana 
I never owned it as a kid, but I played it mm-hmm. at a friend's house. Not a lot, just a little bit. Um, to where I remembered it, but I didn't have a, a real big sentimental attachment to it. So I played it maybe, I think I played it last year and I beat it. And I, I felt the opposite. I felt it held up pretty well. I agree with some of the things you're saying. Like the, yeah. the ring the ring menu is terrible. Yeah. Um, and there's some jank. But I really, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought, I thought in terms of just uh, playing it, it, for me anyway, it held up fairly well. But I, oh, I see yeah. what you're saying. It's it's fun. It's pretty much one of the first action RPGs, too. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. 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 At least the first big one. Like, the E-series had been earlier, but they were niche. Yeah, I mean, e, yeah. the E-series, Crystallis is another one. I know. love Crystallis yeah. so much. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying Secret of Mana. I, I'm enjoying it. It's just that I've got a lot of minor gripes about it, and that's mostly yeah. just the, the reviewer-slash-critic in me coming out whenever I'm, I'm playing this game. Um, I have also, I, I kind of put away the Stardew Valley and the uh, Final Fantasy fourteen since I got back, uh, played through the first four Zelda games for a marathon stream for our buddy Nate to help, uh, raise some money for his situation. I don't know if you guys want to go into that or not, but, um, uh, played, you know, Zelda, Legend of Zelda, Zelda two, um, Link to the Past. And then I played through part of... Link's Awakening on the stream, but I, 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 I kind of crashed. Like but you I, couldn't stay awake. During I couldn't Link's stay awake. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't stay awake during Link's Awakening. It's kind of, kind of ironic, I guess. <laughs> um, I hit a wall, and then like the next day, I was like, "Well, I still want to play it." So I continued playing through it for the next couple of days. And that game also is one of the games I grew up loving. I played the hell out of Link's Awakening growing up, but I, I have some gripes about that one too. Um, and I'm not even really sure if I, cause I had reviewed it for my YouTube channel a couple years back. Um, but I'm not sure if I like brought up the same gripes. Like I probably sang its praises back, back then in the early days of my YouTube channel. But now it's just like, oh man, every time you touch something, you get like a two, three, um, screen, like text prompt, you know, the window just keeps <laughs> scrolling. You got to scroll through all these texts, all those yeah. texts. And it's like, come on, man, breaking the action in the game. And that was, but overall it was fun. It was fun enough that I, uh, cool. Those are the main ones that I played. I think I'm trying to think if there was anything else and, uh, Oh, uncharted two. I started playing through uncharted two and that's oh, more, that's, that's random. That, yeah. Yeah. it actually kind of is. I, I have the, uh, the uncharted collection or the Nathan Drake collection on my, uh, PS4. And I had, uh, Played through the first Uncharted, like, last year. Um, and I'd already played through the first three before, but I wanted to revisit the three before I played uh, number four, which I also have on my PS4. I just haven't touched it yet. So I was playing through Uncharted 2, which is a fun game. It's kind of short. Um, it's it's nice. I like the Uncharted games because it's just, like, they're very linear. And sometimes you really need a linear game. You know, it's just, like, just jump in, play through levels, you know, you might be able to find some little little Easter eggs here and there, but it's not like a... There's no open world. You know, it's not like going to suck 40 hours from your life or 80 hours from your life. It's just like it's like a six-hour game, and that's it. Sometimes yeah. I like that. Sometimes I really like just having that one nice, short, contained experience. And Isn't and, 2 supposed to be the best of the original? I, yeah, I, I think so. I think 2 is the best one. Um, I've played... I haven't played 4 yet. Uh, I've, I've started four in the past, but it's been a couple years, so I haven't really played four though. Uh, but, uh, of the first three, two is probably, probably the best. Three is really good too. 
Uh, one is a little shaky, but um, you know, if you're if you like if you like those types of games, like I, I started with two. I had played the second one first uh, a couple years ago, and then I was like, oh, I really like this. So I'm going to go back and revisit one, and I did. One was okay. It was it was good. Um, but to anybody that's just getting into the Uncharted series, the first game is entirely skippable. Just go watch a a, a story recap on YouTube. They're okay. really fun. like they're popcorn movie games. Yep, exactly yep, exactly. Fun. Yeah, it's like an action movie, right? That you're yeah, playing. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's what I like about it. I've never played any of them. I feel kind of bad about that. And I've owned, yeah, I've, I've owned PlayStation three and four, and I haven't played any of them. But yeah, I mean, if you if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to, like the Nathan Drake collection, you can get it at GameStop for like seven bucks. You can yeah. get Uncharted four for like seven Funny. bucks. Money, it's, money. It's like money. no no money at all just to buy those two. What I, what I meant to say was money is not the issue. It's time is the yeah, issue. Yeah, so, yeah. And the thing is, like I said, <laughs> like I said, they don't take that much time. That's I mean, you true. Can, they you don't. can sit down and beat it in a weekend. You know, it's they're they're pretty short games. So you're saying, all right. Well, speaking of short games and games you get beat in a weekend or less, I'll get on to what I've been playing. Or I guess I'll start with uh, what me and Tony had been playing. Tony yeah. uh, came down to visit. Uh, about a week and a half ago at this point. We played, we had some fun. Uh, we played uh, something I didn't expect us to play, which was new Super Mario Brothers U on the yeah. Switch, which yep. he had just gotten, I guess, recently. Yeah. And I had, I had, I owned it on, I owned it on the Wii U originally, and I never finished it because I just kind of got bored of it. But we, we, but we played through the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we warped, we skipped. Yeah, we warped. It. We skipped like two worlds. But yeah, we skipped it, two worlds, but we, yeah, we beat, finished the whole damn thing, so. And we had fun. It was a lot of fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, I don't that, think... that game's a lot better with two people, two or more oh, yeah. people, than it is yeah, with one or more. Person. I mean, four is the way to... Four is just chaos. So that's yeah. fun, if you can get that. But yeah, I was surprised. I enjoyed it. I don't think those new Super Mario Brothers games are quite on the level of uh, something like you know, Super Mario World or mm, some of no, the original def- 2 Definitely not. But it's still fun for what mm-hmm. it is, you know? That was a lot of fun. We played through that, stayed up real late one night playing that. Um, we played... Uh, Biohazard Battle. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Tony play with me. Biohazard Battle, Battle, if you don't know, is a... Uh, people on my channel will be familiar with it, but it's a schmuck, a horizontal schmuck from 1992 released on the Genesis. Uh, it was actually developed by Sega in-house, apparently, which I didn't realize until recently, but it's a biological sort of insect-themed game, I guess you could say. Um, it's re- it's really cool, man. It's it's a Obviously, it's co-op. Um, you can play as four different like insect uh, what are they called they're called they call them bio warriors i guess there's four different weapons with each one i think based on colors uh very cool game um hard as balls we played on easy didn't we yeah we played on easy and we couldn't beat it i don't even want to admit (laughs) that we played it on easy there was a practice mode that was even easier but we played on easy which i guess would be normal and yeah we couldn't beat it we tried very cool game uh we played i made him play another game with me uh, called Vapor Trail, which is yeah. another Genesis shmup that I actually got at Mo Game Con three years ago up there in Illinois. And I don't know, I just felt like playing it again because I hadn't really played it since. And, you know, it's a decent uh, futuristic, uh, futuristic future jet type of shmup. You get these future jets that, you know, and it's vertical scrolling. That was fun. Um, did we play anything else you can think of? Trying to think if we played anything else. Uh, um, we played a couple of little things just briefly, but those were the those were the main ones, yeah. I think. I, I actually liked. I think I liked Vapor Trail better than Biohazard Battle, but I yeah, think it was just because it was 
It's less You're... less chaotic and a little bit easier, I think. Wasn't that one of the ones you bought for like two bucks? No, it was. Uh, that's an expensive one, actually. I think I paid thirty bucks for it or something. Like it's a little more, a little more pricey. I'm thinking Earth Defense. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking. No, we we should have played. We should have played Earth Defense. We did not play Earth Defense. <laughs> that's yeah. for the best, Tony. Yeah, I know. Definitely for the best. If you haven't heard of Earth, Earth Defense, Defense Force, is awesome. Earth Defense, not so much. Yeah, exactly. So. As far as what else I've been playing on my own since then, um, just uh, more uh, open transport tycoon. I'm really getting into it. Uh, <laughs> it's like I'm continuing to learn. Uh, I'm learning advanced roads and railroads now. Uh, I figured out that if you use that airports are kind of OP, and if you set up airports right, you can make a just a shitload of money in the game. But um, I've also been browsing other people's servers, like. Um, other players, you can browse servers, and there's servers that are up to hundreds of servers set up. And you could just drop in on people's worlds and spectate and watch them play and look at the crazy stuff that they've built. And, uh, it's, I love it, man. I'm kind of addicted to it, and I kind of want to learn. Uh, I probably kind of want to start a server and just get people to play because you can leave the server running and just drop in and out whenever you want. Just play with friends, you know. And each create your own, uh, your own little corner of the uh, transportation world. So, been having a lot of fun with that. Definitely cool, and that's about all I've been playing lately. So, on that note, uh, why don't we move on to the our first topic, which is console craze. We're gonna try and figure out if they're the fad, if they're a fad, just a passing fad, or if you know, or if these things are kind of around to stay. So, I guess uh, we could start with Konami's announcement of the um, the Turbo Graphics uh, the 16 Mini. What do you guys think about that? I was kind of taken off guard. I I, I didn't think anyone was going to do that. So yeah, that, that, that kind of cool. blew my mind. And I'm actually, that's, out of all of them, that's the only one I'm interested in getting. Because I never had a TurboGrafx. So I'm interested in it. So, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's probably the most appealing for a lot of people because the TurboGrafx is so insanely expensive now, for one. I have one. I have a Turbo Duo that I had modded. And it, I don't even want to say how much it costs. And it's collecting dust. I barely touched it because guess what? I don't have any games to play on it because the games are like, you know, insanely expensive. So this one seems to make the most sense. I don't know. Out of all of them, but obviously you got the NES Mini, you got, you know, the Super NES Mini, and then uh, the upcoming official Genesis uh, Mini, which uh, from earlier reviews are saying is really good. But um, what do you guys think? Uh, is this... Is it a fad? Is it just something that's going to pass and these things are going to end up in people's closets collecting dust? Or do you think it's it's good, like a, a good thing? I honestly think it's a good thing because retro collecting has gotten stupid expensive, especially for something like the Turbo Graphics, which yeah. even the shitty sports titles are 20 bucks loose, and that's just too much. And they're hard, the console itself is hard to find. And, I mean, for the most part, yeah... You know, minis may be a fad, but it's still kind of nice to just be able to plug something in that's HDMI and get to worry about scaling or any of that. And you could just play the games and go on. Now, some are done better than others. Like the PlayStation Classic is honestly almost useless unless you hack it. Yeah. But they're yeah. still cool to have. Like, I've got two sitting right here beside me. I've got the SNES Mini and the PlayStation Mini. And they're both fun to keep around. Yeah, I heard the Sony one was pretty was pretty bad, the, uh, the PlayStation... That's the one you have, the PlayStation, but you hacked it, right? Well, that's a dumb, dumb question for you. Of course, of course, you hacked. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. 
Yeah, Derek's got yeah, it. Yeah, um, so. what's weird is a lot of the ROMs are the European ones, which run on, obviously, the PAL format, which <laughs> isn't the same as a, the American and Japanese NTSC. So there's issues with timing, and I just don't get why they use the European ROMs on these for the American issue ones. But yeah, as you saw, there's USB ports sticking out of the front, because I put all kinds of games on there I want, and it runs RetroArch, so I could use it as an emulation machine, like playing PSP on it's awesome. And you get to play it in HDMI, like, I run two monitors at all times, and one of my monitors just a TV, so I can just switch over and play, you know, PlayStation or whatever. But if you don't have it hacked, it's really not very useful. Even I don't think it's worth a thirty bucks or charging now. Honestly. Oh, I'll, if, if I if it's if I see it for thirty bucks, I'm just, it's the new MSRP on it. I believe. That. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow, if it's, I didn't realize. If that. I see it for thirty bucks, I'll pick. It. It's just like there's so much they did that's like haphazard. It's like I don't get why you thought this was a good idea. Besides trying to cut corners, but you cut corners in weird places. When the SNES and NES minis are awesome. And even though, like, the game choice on both of those, like, it made sense with the system. It's, you know, the big name titles for both systems. When there's a lot on the PlayStation Mini that's just missing that doesn't make sense. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mark? Were you going to say something? Yeah. There's also the delicious irony of Sony in the past trying to shut down the open source PlayStation emulators and then. When when the opportunity arises, they put those in that PlayStation Mini. That's what it's running. It's not running any kind of proprietary emulator made by Sony. It's just running open source yeah, PlayStation emulators. I believe it's the EPPSCE RetroArch mm-hmm. core. Yeah. So, I guess I could get into my thoughts on these. I think they're definitely a fad. There's no denying that. I don't think they're necessarily a bad thing. Other than, I think it's just another way of these gaming companies to think of clever ways not to get, not to sell you the ROM directly, hmm. where they want, basically this is the problem they're having, is they want to resell you these games, but they don't want to give you the ROM directly, because if you do that, you'll just never buy it again, right? So they're always trying to come up with new ways to sell you the ROMs without just giving you the ROM directly, so it's the eShop, or it's on the 3DS, now it's on the Wii U, now it'll be on the Switch, well, let's put them on this little box thing, so... Why do you I think, think... Why do you think these uh, boxes don't have online capabilities for you to download more games? Just cost reasons? No, I think it's it goes back to they want to find another way to sell you the ROM, so if they make any solution too robust... They can't re-milk the ROM later on. Oh, you're right. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so if they sold you... Let's say they were really serious about this, and they sold you the Nintendo Classic, or the Super Nintendo Classic, and you could literally download any ROM of a Nintendo game onto there, like legally. Let's say if they had an eShop on there and it had all the ROMs. That would actually be a bad thing for Nintendo in their mind, or their market share, or whatever, because later on when the Switch comes out or the switch pro comes out they can't resell you that rom again or they feel like it won't work as well so it's a it's a it's a a question of whether it's a short-term benefit or a long-term benefit what you're saying and like it would benefit them greatly in the short term to allow them to allow people to download those roms onto that snes mini but in the Mm -hmm. long term they don't make any money because and now everybody's got this snes mini laying around with all these roms on it and then when 
the Switch 2 in several years mm-hmm. comes out, they can't sell those yep. ROMs again because people already have it. Already yeah, sold them. I see what you say. I see what you say. That's why they shut down the Wii, like the Wii online stores after a few years. You know why those expire? Because they're like, hey, we need you to buy these ROMs again. These ROMs expire. Well, the because... problem is that you can't <laughs> buy a lot of them because they're just not available anymore. You know, it's yeah, like... But... Uh, that's what I mean. They they take them down so that yeah. they can bring them up later and resell. Right. Them. Yeah, they're, so they're, they're they're using that whole old Disney model. Yeah, I was of, about to yeah. say putting that. the <laughs> putting the games in the vault for in the vault. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, part of it's going to be always, especially with Nintendo, their back catalog. A lot of the third party games is going to be almost impossible to get the license for because some of the companies just don't even exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. But um, you got, um, you got I, that I would too. do want to say I said wrong. It was PCSX Rearmed is the PlayStation Classic game. Okay. Okay. And I that's I got that on my Android phone. Is that based on a that's based on open source emulator? That's completely open source. Okay. So but <laughs> it's like, not even based on it. It's, it's just it is. I could make you a PlayStation Classic with forty dollars and a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> so yeah, the, hypo- the hypocrisy you were talking about with Sony trying to shut them down, and now they're using that exact technology. Oh yeah, they sh- they shut down Bleem back in the day. They they killed them for. And making an emulator you could run on the Dreamcast and on the PC, they didn't like that. So, well, I think died. I think another thing is I definitely agree that it's a that it is a fad um, because they're they're not gonna. I mean, they may sell these forever, but the demand is not gonna. It's, it's not gonna. That they're not always gonna be in demand. You know, after so many people buy them, they're not gonna sell these SNES classics anymore, or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But. Um, like the collector in me and the, the, the guy that has a big wall of retro games and everything. Yeah. I want those. I don't want to pay outrageous prices for them. Um, like if I got it on sale, I would definitely get it for, for that reason. Um, yeah. I mean, I could make a 3d print, a NES shell and put a raspberry Pi in that, but <laughs> it's not as authentic, you know, you, you, you gotta have that authenticity that, that kind of, that kind of makes yeah, I wouldn't do that. More. I don't do that either. It's like, you know, there's kind of like the divide of what gamers do. There's like the authentic hardware people. Mm-hmm. I'm just like full hog emulation. I'll just run it on my badass PC with, you know, just the <laughs> best emulation possible. I won't do that weird middle ground of kind of crappy emulation on a Raspberry Pi. So, I think Tony's handing me printing him a case for a Raspberry Pi. No, I don't. I really don't. I don't want a 3D printer <laughs> print a case for a Raspberry Pi. I think I do have the NES case saved in my files, so I could. Um, have you guys seen those uh, those uh, mini arcades that they're selling now? Oh, yeah. Those, yes. The, like, the Which ones? $20 ones or so? No, they're like 300-something bucks, and you can oh, get, the like... the bigger ones? Yeah, they're like, they're like waist height. You can yeah. get. You can also buy a piece to make them a little bit higher, but they're like three hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, it's like a riser bucks. or something. Yeah, there's like they're like three hundred fifty bucks. They're like this little arcade cabinet that. Oh yeah, the get, arcade one up. Yeah, the one up. That's what it is. And if it's got the Mortal like, Kombat one got like under two hundred, I would probably buy it. I, I I would love to get the Gradius, uh, the Gradius one that has Gradius and, and Galaxian on it because I love Gradius. Think, but, but I don't want to pay no three hundred fifty bucks for it. Um. <laughs> Plus yeah. fifty for the riser. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've seen those at Walmart. I've seen them. Uh, yeah, I've seen them at a couple places, and it, it's kind of novel. It's kind of a kind of a cute idea, but I don't know. Like the, again, they're probably aimed at at you know guys like us in our thirties and forties, whatever that uh, or or twenties in some cases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but yeah, what do you guys think about? Uh, I had this written written down. I was supposed to read this earlier, but um, 
what do you think about the ages from what I've heard the, between the ages of eight to 12 was when you have your most uh, formative nostalgic memories about things just in general. In our case, it's mm-hmm. video games. Uh, and that's true. And something could be said about these companies trying to take advantage of that. Now that we're in our you know twenties, thirties, forties, whatever, by releasing these mini consoles, do you think these consoles have value beyond just, just us buying them again, just to have it as a collector's item, like Tony said, or do you think there's, you know, obviously I think most of us agree that we enjoy older games, but what do you think about, do you think that younger people are going to benefit from these mini consoles? Actually, I think they will because the portability aspect, if I want to go hang out with friends and play on the SNES Mini, it's two cables, not kind of controllers. It's just easy to plug and go. Or for someone who wants to show their kids what they've played before, they can go buy that. They don't have to try to find the console, get cartridges working, and especially on the SNES, it's expensive now. It's just so much easier. And, you know, it's kind of fun just to have it sitting in the living room. I don't have to drag out my console and hook it up. I ain't going to worry about the scaling aspect. And it's just right there, one way to go. And it works perfectly fine, and the layout's great. I think it's going to have a little bit of a resell ability. I mean, just look how the NES Mini did. But it's going to burn its course out, and then just become kind of a... What's a good way to put this? Not a collector's item, just kind of a cool little novelty to have. I have a little more of a pessimistic viewpoint because <laughs> I feel like I experienced something like this when I was a kid. They had these plug-and-play Namco oh, yeah. arcade things. Do you remember those? Yeah. And I was a big gamer when those came out, and I, I viewed them completely as a novelty. I thought these Namco arcade games were kind of fun. But I, I saw them as less legitimate than the stuff that was on my Super Nintendo and my N64. I thought they were just novelties. And I, I wonder if kids these days, if you give a kid a SNES Classic and you got, you know, he sees a PS4 or a PS5 and he sees a SNES Classic, he's like, no, oh, this is a fun novelty, but... Well, I, I, I would like to counter that with, first of all, those ones that came out when we were younger were little pieces of crap. I mean, they, Garbage, were, not, yeah. they were not good uh pieces of hardware they, they they didn't work great and secondly and this is this is one that might get you know might get me in trouble with like the 40 45 50 year old retro gamers those games <laughs> aren't great they have not aged well um not like you know games from the nes era and everything because that's like that's when gaming was was really got popular was when the nes came out um and and those games, to an extent, they still hold up. They still work. They still, you know, that they're still like an identifiable game, identifiable gaming experience that you can kind of compare to stuff that's coming out today. Uh, people aren't going back and making those, um, making facsimiles of of, of um, like adventure. You know what I mean? Or right. You know, not not legitimately, but anyway. But then we see this yeah. whole retro resurgence where people are still, and for the last ten years now, have been making retro style games that are, you know, that that make good money on Steam and on and on everything else. Well, I've a uh, I've probably said this before, but the the Atari age, you know, ColecoVision, Atari, all that was the first generation, basically, of video games, basically. So. I always compare that to the PS1 era, you know, which was kind of an experimental yeah. time. You know, the PS1 era was where things went to 3D, and there was a lot of jank and a lot of things that didn't work. There were some gems, sure. Like, you know, Pac-Man is still a very playable game, I think. It's very simple, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's still fun to play. But yeah, like, 
most of that stuff um, is, like I said, experiments. And and like you said, it hasn't aged particularly well. Maybe this is just our age group. Maybe we're all naive in thinking this and, and kids are laughing at us or whatever. But, <laughs> but you know, I think, yeah, what you said there kind of makes sense. I think certain uh, certain... Generations of games have aged better than others. You know, it's like, yeah, the the NES 16-bit era aged pretty is aged pretty well. Probably the 16-bit era probably better. Mm. Um, the 32-bit not so great, but then the PS2 era has definitely definitely I think aged a bit better. Yeah, I mean they're still era. releasing PS2 era games like now, like they're just remastering them and yeah, exactly, and throwing them basically. out there. They're not really doing that with anyone outside of Square anyway. SquareSoft with their Final Fantasy games aren't really doing that with, you know, Gen 5 as much. Right. Honestly, like, the fifth generation and the first are, like, the awkward puberty years mm-hmm. of gaming. Yeah. For both, like, the pixelated and the polygon in that, yeah, there were some good times, but the most, it just, you look back like, uh, and as, uh, as much as I troll Twitter, you know, and as much as I troll Twitter, and, then, like, I, I just go through it all the time. I've got age groups like from teenagers up until, you know, our age and, and older that follow me or that I follow. And man, there are so many, there's so many kids out there. There are so many like, like 18, 19 year old kids out there that, that are playing retro games for fun. They're mm-hmm. like actively seeking out new retro experiences. Like that's, that's, that's actually a thing that happened. Um, it is. Yeah. I, it is. I feel like I should clarify what I meant by what I was saying. I wasn't saying that retro games can appeal to younger people because I know a lot of kids in their teens and stuff that do like retro games. What I meant is the hardware itself, oh, the I got you. PlayStation, okay. the Nintendo Classic, the uh, Super Nintendo Classic, these these little mini consoles themselves. I feel like for most people in the future, especially the younger people, will be viewed as novelties, not legitimate consoles. For instance... Oh, in the uh, future? Pac- yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like, <laughs> for instance, the the Pac-Man, uh, we were talking about Pac-Man, so I had Pac-Man on those little mini things, and I thought, oh, this is a fun little novelty or whatever, I played it for 15 minutes, then I got Pac-Man on the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and to me, that was, for whatever reason, that was the legit version of Pac-Man, and I played the crap out of that oh, and okay. fell in love with it, even though they're this essentially the same game, I thought the, you know, the plug-and-play one was just kind of... Mm. And so I'm wondering that kids that will get into retro games, I'm thinking, will probably get into them through the PC, through the newer consoles, through the Switch, through stuff like that. Through their parents, really. I mean, the parents uh, will introduce, I'm doing, trying to introduce my niece to, you know, to uh, older games. And I know lots of parents that do, and their kids love the older games. Because really, it's about, it's, it's really just about what you put in front of them. Like my parents, I watched a lot of old movies with my parents, you know. And I enjoy old movies. You know, they're, they're kind of, they're, of course, they're ones that are bad and the acting is different and uh, the techniques, the filming techniques weren't as good in a lot of ways. But I watched uh, Citizen Kane for the first time in 2016 flying to Alaska on a plane, I remember. And I'm like, I've never seen this. It's my dad's favorite movie. I need to watch it. So I watched it and I really enjoyed it. But the thing is, I know a lot of people that say it's boring. They're like, oh, how can you watch that? And I'm like, well, I'm like, it helped because like I do with older games is I, I tend to put myself in the time when the movie takes place. I know not so, everyone can so, do that. So this is the, the the point Mark was making though. Say like there was a viewfinder 
that you put up to your eyes mm-hmm. and you get and then has Citizen Kane on it. <laughs> or or, or the you PS- can just download it on your computer and watch it or on your 4K real, monitor. Here's a real life example. <laughs> the PSP mini disc. Yes. Of yes, Citizen there Kane. There you go. Or or like, even even you worse. give that to a kid, or you give him the Blu-ray. The, uh, the Which Game one Boy Advance, the Game legit? Boy Advance little cartridges that had uh, that had cartoon movies on them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah. So, like, which one are you going to watch it on? You know, that's, that's if true. you're interested in it, that you're going to watch it on the help an episode of SpongeBob. And yep, there you go. Quarters. <laughs> yeah. oh, but that's a novelty, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Even right. now, like Game Boy collectors don't even go for them. Yeah. So I guess. Well, my point is the line. The lines are blurring because I don't know, man. New games look like old games now. Uh, Probably even more so than these than these uh, mega budget AAA games that come out. But it's like the indie and even not even big companies are making uh, games that look retro. You know, so Sonic Mania. The line. The line's blurring. A good game is a good game. You know, and uh, it really just comes down to the taste, I guess. I think one of the things Mark was kind of hinted at is kids who play the mini consoles versus the you know the real ones, there's limitations to the minis, which is partly intentional. Intentional. But they're going to know that there's limits, which that's not bad. Limits can be good and bad. I mean, limits can lead you to do artistic things you wouldn't have done. In other words, Citizen Kane, part of the reason why it's so great is the limitations they had back then. He worked and made a lot of the tropes that we know nowadays in movies. He started that. Yeah, exactly. And if you can look at it in that lens, like I did, you know, where you can be like, "Wow, look at the camera angles he's using. How did he t- how did he get that shot of the warehouse way up and zoomed all the way down?" This is in what nineteen thirty nine or whatever. So I was thinking, I was my mind was blown watching it, but I, I can see where someone who's just looking at it as any old thing can be like, "Oh, nineteen forty one, yeah, nineteen forty one." It almost it almost kind of leads into what we were talking about earlier with FF seven and uh, Secret of Mana, where I feel <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to get you guys. Where essentially. <laughs> I feel like part of the reason why these games are great isn't their objective quality as games. It's also the context in which they were created. I had to explain this to, uh, okay, I'm going to be mean here, but to like a hipster kid who was smack a talk in Ocarina of Time all day, every day. He's like, oh, Ocarina of Time, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, listen, when that game came out, it blew our freaking minds, okay? You have no idea how, like insane that was at the time how old mark so, how old looking were you back how old were you when, when i came in, out i think i was about 10 so okay. i was like you're in that ring nostalgia. i was i was 17 i think when that game came out and it doesn't have the same effect on me. i looked at ocarina like i liked ocarina but but uh i think link to the past was probably or even the original that uh that affected me. <laughs> before before we started the pod derek and i were talking about that <laughs> <laughs> ocarina of time about how ocarina of time is oh it's it's such as, a controversial yeah, game these yeah. days i mean i because, i like it but i can't play it anymore it's just yeah it's, if you were there for okay. it it's like the game but if you weren't then it's like well, oh it's just some if you were if game. you were there for it in that certain age it was the game mm-hmm. and like it, it was nuts it blew my mind too but i can't go back to it anymore i can't that's, either that's a and whole it's different, not. It's like, like I said about Bob Fantasy Seven. It's not a bad game. It's a really good, fantastic game. It's just that generation just doesn't age well. And yeah. Part of it is like the In combats. Yeah. Well, if I cared about other people's opinions, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. But what I was getting at is, yeah, I agree. Like, it objectively, it is not the best game ever. Like, objectively, but 
you have to also factor in the context of its release and the context right. of its impact on gaming. Like, oh, I think because you're there's right. because like the best game ever is probably super under under rated it's like the best game ever is probably not even that popular the best game ever well is known. probably tetris in all honesty i mean like or at least i don't know it's like well, it that, seems like tetris that, is that needs to be a topic yeah you're right you're right <laughs> the best game. in fact i think like, we've in fact i think best. we've exhausted this topic so let's <laughs> let's take a little break and then when we come back we'll get on to our next topic which is even more divisive which is going to be the oh geez pc store exclusivity back so now we're going to talk to you about pc store exclus- exclusivity pretty hot button topic right now um, this gonna go over like a lead balloon yeah <laughs> so with the advent of epic games uh store buying exclusive rights to games such as borderlands 3 phoenix point metro exodus outer worlds Shem- shemnu 3 uh, among others many gamers are up in arms is it really good for competition, or is it just a way for Epic to buy their way into the digital storefront marketplace? What do you all think? Mark? I better go, you go last. You no, go I, last? I better go last. All right, okay. well, then let's get the guy who doesn't have much to say out of the way. Tony, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I definitely think that they're probably just trying to buy their way into the uh, the marketplace. However, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't play new enough PC games that it matters to me. Um like it, if I play a PC game, a newer PC game, it's already been out for probably two. Uh, you know, my I'm mostly a console gamer. I do play a lot of games on the PC, but again, like my rig's not good enough to play. Like I had problems playing Fallout Four for crying out loud. So uh, on, on my computer. So like to me, this doesn't matter. Um, do I care? Not really. Mainly because. If gamers just, if they don't like it, all they've got to do is wait. They just got to wait it out. That's that's really it. You know, just don't spend your money where you don't want the money spent or where you don't want the money to go, you know. So don't don't spend your money on the Epic Game Store if you don't like the Epic Game Store. It's that easy. It's just that gamers are very, very impatient people and they want things right now. So they have to have their game as soon as it's released. It's like, my money, and I want it now. Yeah, so it's like yeah. it's your money. Just get <laughs> it. Just, just get over it. That's that's like my thing with most gaming controversies. Honestly, it's just get the. And I don't remember if we were supposed to swear on the podcast or not, or if we. It's were okay. Light light swearing is is yeah. fucking fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the yeah, just my point is, is that gamers get too up in arms, and they're they're too easily. Um, riled up about stuff like that it's like dude honestly just wait it out or buy it on the epic game store if you want to play it that bad or buy it on a console but if you can't and you're it's against your morals or whatever then just don't buy it that easy 
you know, and that's all I have to say about the entire topic. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. That's all I've got to say. What about you, Derek? What do you think? Um, honestly, I think, Mark, you and me might have talked about this. Someone in the Gamefellows Discord, we were talking about this. It's kind of become the new console wars. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be, yeah, you know, you were a Sega guy or you're a Nintendo guy. And now it's, oh, I only buy games from Steam or I'm only going to buy from Epic or whatever. It's just kind of interesting because PC used to be above us console peasants. And I've just now mm-hmm. recently gotten to PC gaming since I built a rig. But for the most part, I'm with Tony. It doesn't matter. The only time I do understand is I get the people who did Kickstarter for things like Shinmu 3 where Promise of Steam Code are getting it for something else. It's a little bit overblown, but I, I get the idea of they were promised something and delivered something totally different. But it really, I mean, there's not that much difference. Like, I've got the Epic Game Store, Bethesda, Steam, you play on my computer, and they don't take up that much space. The games, sure, but you're not going to get away from that. The only thing that really bothers me is I can't play anything besides Steam games on my Steam link in the living room. The Kickstarter thing? That's just, that's a whole other ball of wax, and people, if they are not, um, they should not be kickstarting things, like, if they're, if they're worried about getting let down, because Kickstarter, oh, all Kickstarter, it's a gamble, it's not, it's not a store, it is not a store, Kickstarter is not a store. Kickstarter is a gamble, not a, a storefront. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like, at least they have a logical Yeah, you're investing, and investments... There is always some kind of risk in an investment, so that's that's all. That's all. Yeah. My four hundred one k agrees that investments have risk. <laughs> you want to be moderately risky at your age, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah, my there's, investor guy told me. Yeah, there's always risk <laughs> like, in, okay. in Kickstarter projects, and in the case of Shemnu three, it was never promised on Steam. I don't think until af- well after the Kickstarter, but um, I'll, I'll let you go ahead, Mark probably have more to say about this more interesting things to say than than i do so what what's your take man well okay i don't know if i'm that interesting but i essentially had a a discussion about this with in my social circle or whatever about yeah about this whole controversy because i followed the shenmue 3 kickstarter through the whole way through i've been thinking about hmm do i support it do i not support it and up until this point, it was pretty smooth sailing. Everyone was kind of happy about how things were going for the most part. But then this epic thing happened and people lost their shit. Like, they went crazy uh, over this whole... Like, people wanted refunds. They were like, fuck Shenmue 3, forget it. I've been betrayed. All this stuff. I was like, whoa, where's this coming from? And I guess a lot of it comes down to, I feel like people... I don't know when it happened, but I guess somewhere along the way, people fell in love with Steam and got married or something because (laughs) like to me i've never liked steam as far as like oh steam they're this great it's this great service it's so important to me you know i just view it as a drm storefront that you have to kind of work with and get stuff from and it's not like if it comes out on the epic store you can't play it on your pc Like, if they did this with the PS4 version, where they said, nah, forget PS4, it's only on PC now or something, I could see, I could see it there. But, I feel like, overall, I feel like another storefront existing, other than Steam, is probably a good thing, because over the years, Steam has kind of gotten a little more, well, we'll do what we want to do, because we have no competition. 
And I feel like in Shenmue 3's case, the Steam version that was promised was literally, it's coming on Steam because that's the only PC storefront. And then Epic comes along, and they and Epic probably gives them money. And they say, oh, okay. They definitely give them money. Yeah, so it's like, okay, you gave us money, we'll put it on there. It's not like they had a contract with Steam, and Steam's like, well, what happened? You t- totally... You know what I mean? It was just the default because there's no competition. Yeah, so. they probably didn't even they probably didn't even have a deal with Steam. It was yeah, probably they just did, they probably didn't. Just, that's how we're releasing it to the masses because that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to host it on our servers. I didn't think with it, but that's a perfect option. And the thing about it is, like, yeah, it's nice that if everything was Steam because my library is all right there in one go. But competition is the best. I mean, it's the best option for gamers. Despite how often gamers seem to not want competition, like how many console guys just beat off to the idea of the other consoles going out? Yeah, I know that's, less that's like a, a big thing. I don't get it. Like, well, and um, another perspective too is I spend quite a bit of time discussing indie shmups and indie games with indie developers, and the thing about Steam is it's they're not very kind to the indie devs as far as. The, you know, the amount of money they take out of your sales and stuff, especially if your game doesn't sell a whole lot of copies. So a lot of indie devs are trying to put it on other places, be like, okay, buy it here so we can get more money. Yeah. And I remember when, when Epic was first announced, it, it said they would give more favorable shares to people they on do. the platform. It's, it's like, uh, what's Derek, look up the percentage that um, Epic uh, gives now, because it's significantly higher than Steam, like a lot higher. So it's definitely yeah. better... So, like, I was talking to some indie devs, like, maybe you guys should check out Epic, because, I mean, right now, it, it Steam's really your only choice, and Steam's just kind of like, hey, we're your only choice, we're going to take your money, but if they had competition where Epic comes in and says, whoa, 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 come to our platform, I think that would be really good for the indie scene to have that competition, but if you're just a gamer that cares about your AAA releases being in one convenient spot, and that's, like, the top-notch priority to you, I guess. Maybe that's where your outrage is coming from? See, that's me, but without the outrage. Like, I want all my all my games in one spot. I like Steam. Um, I like a lot of their online services. I like the community. I like that it's convenient. I like the sales. Uh, I like the way it's laid out and the simplicity. The thing is, um, Epic lacks a lot of features that Steam has, uh, which could be justifiable as to why Steam takes a bigger cut because there's a lot more you can do on Steam as opposed to Epic. Epic's basically just a just a flat uh, store launcher with uh, I mean they don't, there's not even a shopping cart at this point. You know you gotta if you want to buy more than one game you gotta go you gotta do it over and over and over again. So it's like um, I see the I I kind of understand I don't understand the outrage but I do understand why people are kind of bashing on uh, people for making it exclusive to epic like i'm that guy who's you know as much as i want to play borderlands 3 i'll just wait a year and play it when it comes out on steam because it will you know because i can wait whatever i don't really care but i but there's people that obviously don't feel that way that are just losing like you like you said mark just losing completely losing their shit over over it which i think is ridiculous but but i'm but i'm also that same guy i just don't get angry about it that's all you know well i remember if you think about it from the you know the days of the console wars, do you remember kind of the early Xbox days where Xbox shows up, it, you know, Microsoft's got their wallets and they're just buying up exclusives all over the place. Yep. 
and you know, oh, Dead or Alive, I'm a Dead or Alive fan. That's not on PS2 anymore, boy. It's on Xbox. Oh, you want uh, this uh, Project Gotham Racing? That was the the prequel was on Dreamcast. Now it's on Xbox. They bought Rare. Yeah. They bought. They were buying up all these exclusives. It's just, and like Nintendo did the same thing back in the day. Sega did the same. Well, Sega did a lot of their own developing, but like. It's just kind of a nature of how gaming works. Why would you have a platform if there's no exclusives for it? It makes yeah. no sense, really. Ask yeah. so, the Xbox One, and I say that as a proud Xbox One hour. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've wanted to get in. I've been actively seeking a reason to buy an Xbox One X. I'm, like, trying to convince myself to buy one, but there's there's no reason to do it because there's nothing on there that's appealing enough to me for to drop the money, so it's... So, like, with the Epic thing, yeah, I guess people, that rubs them the wrong way, that they're just showing up and buying IPs, but that's just the nature of the business, I think. I don't know, I mean, Epic could turn into a shit, a shit storm, it could be awful, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying at this stage, I think people are getting a little, little too, jumping the gun a little too hard with the outrage, and not kind of thinking about, hey, if there's competition for Steam, that could be good for me, because... Now indie devs aren't getting totally scalped and can put out, you know, put out more games or maybe all that um, games as service stuff I don't like. You know, maybe that can go down a little bit if developers have a little more leeway with their profit sharing and stuff. So yeah, and um, like okay, right now for Steam, it used to be thirty percent of all your profits, but now it's for the first um. If you think did, about that, that's freaking crazy. Yeah. If you're an indie indie developer, and that you doesn't put count, you know, life fifteen years of work into a game, and Steam takes thirty just because they're that's a the, DRM launcher. Yeah, it's not like that is. It's, no, it's actually as, really crazy. It's as bad as about. Apple. Actually, I think Apple's. Well, pretty, they pretty have similar. changed it um, between ten and fifty million dollars worth of sales. Developers will um, pay twenty five percent after fifty million. Steam only takes twenty. Now, after after fifty million sales, yeah. what, what the hell? That's game? still that's of, still murdering. Of, that's, oh does. yeah, I mean that's just an unattainable amount. <laughs> outside of GTA, what the hell sells fifty million? Um, you know, but for three. Epic, it's twelve percent up front. Twelve percent, so it's a lot uh, better. Yeah, think about that. Okay, for for real, if you're because I know indie devs who, you know, their sales are let's say five hundred, uh, not five hundred, like five thousand or ten thousand. Like they're not retiring to Cancun with this money. They're just trying to survive. Now you're losing 30% or you're losing 12%. That's like a huge deal for these developers. So but if, so if Epic like, offers them money on top of on make, top of on that, top of making more money, yeah, you know, when you think about it, I mean, yeah, it you makes can sense. actually legitimately be a professional indie dev rather than, you know, doing your desk job and then taking 12 years to make an indie game on the side because you can't do it full time. So people aren't seeing the other side of, hey, people are showing up and willing to spend some money on some exclusives. And here's something that people forgot about. Um, Epic owns the Unreal Engine, which is, you know, pretty big engine. You pay a 5% fee for anything on Steam you have with the Unreal Engine 4. I don't know anything, but the, I don't have the other engines right now, but if you release the Unreal Engine 4 game on Epic, you don't pay any fees. Oh, so you save another 5% there also if you're uh, mm -hmm. using the Unreal Engine. Like, Unity is 12% of all games on Epic. That's how much you're paying. But that also, this revenue split I'm looking at does not include the fee for Unity, which I'm not sure how... 
what that is for a developer, but I mean, I'm sure it's not. That's a interesting. Amount. I didn't realize uh, didn't realize that. So that's like, yeah, and like look at what's happened with Sony now that they've become kind of the big dogs. Like, feels like Sony back in the day was like kind of the one that. For me, anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going to go with Sony because they seem to just the most down-to-earth. But now that they're the big dogs on top, it's kind of like, well, they're getting a little more greedy with their business practices. They're a little less generous. And now it's Microsoft, all of a sudden, that are the ones who are kind of going the extra way for to get you to buy their console and stuff. Yeah, Microsoft, so. man. Ever since... Um, uh, Satya Nadella, that's his name. Okay, it's Satya oh, yeah. Um Yeah, ever since he uh, he's opened up Microsoft, it's really amazing they've done i mean talking about putting the xbox game pass on the switch and just stuff like that putting halo on sony machines like <laughs> i will never really... understand why sony turned that down yeah that's that's, that's what i'm saying they're the big dogs they don't yeah. want to play but i mean that would just make them a bunch of money and it would have taken away the big exclusive from their number one competitor because you're not going to get nintendo third party i don't care what sony and microsoft fetishes think that's never going to happen to have Halo on PS4 would have been the biggest coup in game. Dude, the only decades. reason I haven't played a Halo game since Halo 2 was because of because it hasn't been on uh, any other console. Yeah, so I guess my overall thoughts on this is like it's kind of a case by case situation on whether you know these exclusives are slimier than other ones, but I think overall, I think the outrage is pretty. I don't know, narrow-sighted as far as what you could be gaining in the long run. Like, okay, you lost the ability to play Shenmue 3 for a year on Steam, or whatever it is, but you could be gaining Steam, even if you just stick with Steam, you never in your life use Epic, but Epic's hanging around, just making Steam kind of keep in check a little bit at least. I think that competition's important at least. I agree. I mean, competition is the lifeblood of any industry. Game is an industry as much as anything. Uh, we kind of oh, like yeah. to think that we're immune to the laws of economics, but we're certainly not. And also, like you said, just because it's on an Epic Game Store doesn't mean I can't play it on my PC the same as I do a Steam game. I've got living proof sitting right here in front of me. I was playing Check Down Hawaii the other day, and that's only on Epic Game Store. But it's still the same PC as my Steam library. So there's yeah. nothing stopping us. I just, I just don't get. The I don't idea. know. I don't, and I like. I said maybe it's just because I don't love Steam. I'm not a Steam lover. I have my Steam issues with lover. Steam. That should be a song. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know some people legitimately have like these warm fuzzies for Steam. So maybe I'm just the cold asshole who feels that way. But I think a lot of it may fall into the rose tinted glasses, and it was the first really good yeah. digital distribution service and there was nothing like steam and when it think came about out. how many times we've forgiven steam for some pretty shitty stuff in oh, the past absolutely. It's like, well they're the only ones so we have to forgive them but as so. a result of it being around so long it's also the most robust which is why people yeah. use it you know but um in saying that uh there is a solution to all this apparently which is gog galaxy 2.0 i don't know if you guys heard about it but basically it's going to oh yeah it's going to allow you to combine all your storefronts into one um, pretty well from what I was reading about it. Um, it sounds kind of remarkable, like everything, your, your friends list, your games, uh, everything. So that's interesting. Uh, if that launches and, and, uh, and works like they say it's going to work and you can just combine, 
you know, Origin, uh, Uplay, you know, Epic, <laughs> so it's Steam, a, everything. It's a front end. It's a front end. Front ends for your front end. It's it, like it, a it front is. end over the front end. It is. It's a front end That's over your crazy. front end. Exactly. That is crazy. It's like double layer DRM right there. Double the protection. <laughs> except that GOG, <laughs> except that GOG is DR, DRM free. So, but yeah, I think that's I think that's the solution. Honestly, I mean, if it works, like I said, like I just signed up for the beta. You guys watch me do it. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually love to see. Okay, this is a little bit of offshoot, but I'd love to see a storefront strictly for indie games that like cared about indie developers, and if you bought. The games there, like it had a, a nice, generous split for the indie devs. Like, you know, I would love to see something like that because Steam. I mean, Epic could be that way, but they probably, as they get more popular, probably will change. But yeah, I'm just letting you guys know, at least from what I'm aware of, like being an indie dev on Steam is not sunshine and rainbows. It's pretty brutal. Oh yeah, sure. Well, being in indie game development at all is difficult. You know, as it is, you got to get. You gotta get well, lucky, really. Well, I think like the promised land is getting on the eShop right now because oh, yeah. it's yeah. curated. I have no idea what the profit share is. I don't know that part, but I do know like a lot of the shmups that are on Steam, they're like lost in the ocean of games, and then they end up on uh the Switch and oh yep. look, there's a Nintendo Life article about it now. Yeah. Yep. Oh look, look the at, guy's getting interviewed now. Look at power look at power power roomy. Um Dan Maku and Limited Three, same thing. Yeah, Power Rumi, I reviewed on my channel last year, and the the dev contacted me recently about it, and they, yeah, they're releasing it on Switch, and it'll probably it'll probably have a new life on the Switch, you know. Yeah, I think it's a good fit for that, you know, like a lot of uh, like a lot of shmups seem to be. I know there's input lag and everything, you know, Mark, but <laughs> well, it's funny because I criticize the technical aspects of playing them on Switch, but then I also tell all the indie dev developers. Get your damn game on the Switch. Yeah. Get, and I tell people buy the damn Switch version. <laughs> just buy both versions. Just buy both versions. Like that's what I say. Like like for Rolling Gunner, I own the Switch version. Then I own the PC version. So. Completely not a shmup, but like uh, this game called Oxenfree. It's like a little oh, yeah. point and click type adventure. Uh, it was on Switch. I would have never played it. Would have never had any interest in playing it if it, mm-hmm. you know, if it weren't on Switch. Because at the time, it was just like, well, it's a cheap game. I kind of just want to play something kind of light. So I picked it up because it's on Switch. Sit sit in bed or sit on my couch while the wife watches and play it. And I would have never seen it. Never even known what the hell it was if it weren't on the Switch eShop. Same with Golf Story. For oh me. yeah, like, Golf Story. If that game came out on the PC, I would. Yeah, I love that game. If that came out on PC, I wouldn't have given it the time of day. I would have said a, f- a freaking golf simulator. You think yeah. I got time for this? Yeah. It came out on Switch, and I was loving it. I was, and I fell in love with that game. So I need to give it another shot. I I had a, I had problems with the. I, I'm not good at it, so I, <laughs> I kind of put it aside. I like the presentation. I like the story and all and all the quirkiness of it. But I was. Wasn't good at the golf parts. I'm like, uh, I'm going to put it aside. I, I can't find anything about what the eShop share of profit is. Like, I went through three pages. I bet, I bet Nintendo keeps that. Sh- 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 if, I mean, if I was them, I would too. <laughs> they don't want you to know that. <laughs> yeah. So any any final thoughts, boys, before we wrap it up? Uh, please don't murder us over our viewpoints. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, like, I know, right? I We're can all... see the comment section now. It's just like. Also reasonable. 
I think I think the uh, the the massive the massive draw of of uh, the Shmup Masters uh, retro based audience <laughs> will probably be like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is something that we it really needs to be said. And I'm going to remind people: I am a die-hard free market capitalist. Don't th- die on the hill for companies that don't give two shits about you. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, Epic does not care that you're out there bashing Steam. Steam does not care that you're out there bashing Epic. Microsoft doesn't care if you bash Nintendo. All they want is your money. <laughs> don't act like yeah. there's something to worship it's all that matters yeah. the big uh the big money all right well that's a good way to end it i think all game companies <laughs> care about is your money <laughs> very true all right well on behalf of tony brazel mark and our producer for the night derek moore and i'm zach uh we are signing off and we will see you next time later Adios.